Welcome again, ladies and gentlemen, to Cats with Tin Hats, a podcast where we talk about movies, conspiracies, and conspiracy theories. This week we're talking about the brand new classic, probably the best film to come out of 2019, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You are joined here with Oliver, Wyatt, and Tucker. And before we get (laughs) And before we get into any spoilers, general thoughts about the movie? Even though I think we've all seen it more than ten times each. <laughs> Nappers. <laughs> Great movie, it's almost safe. I'm just uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. You NFL fans should know that reference. <laughs> Alright, sick guy over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good movie, good movie. Uh, I think I, I think it's pretty much safe for all of us to say that this movie pretty much defined our whole going to school yeah like year we went to film school for a year and as soon as this movie i'm telling the listeners oh shit sorry (laughs) get woke yeah (laughs) thoughts no uh no we um this movie to me every time i watch it pretty much takes me back to that year we watched it like had to be five times well, oh. I know you guys watched it. <laughs> you, <laughs> but no, like, yeah, I think this movie's on point. The whole soundtrack is a banger. I love it. I even love the ads. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, the billboards. Oh, really, yeah. any sign need to display. This whole movie is a fucking work of art, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you know, Tarantino, if you want to sponsor the podcast, you know, give three of us a roll or something. Oh, you know. It's the guy who looks like Cliff Booth right now, with long hair. Hey, check out our Instagram page. I'll show you a picture of him right now. Bam. <laughs> check out our Instagram, because it's legit that second I took it. Oh my god, I'm definitely liking it, sharing it on all platforms. <laughs> hey, check out our Twitters, too. <laughs> but you know what, you guys can do it after you guys want. Don't feel pressured. It's, you know, 2021. Not thoughts. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> For me, this movie, I, I don't know how many times I've seen it. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know... Three, uh, four... The uh, Cineplex Park Theatre in like Vancouver, just on Canby, and between Canby 18th and 19th, they have a 70mm projector. I was lucky enough to be running the projector while showing that. So every other day, I was playing that movie twice in its entirety. <laughs> And it's so good a movie, I never got bored. Because I would just stand there, watch it, and I, I, I just love it. And again, big part of VFS for the one year we went there. And yeah, so into... Spoiler territory. So yeah, into spoiler territory, if you haven't seen the film. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Can't say enough. Especially if you're an actor. Yeah. This is the yeah. perfect actor's movie. Uh, without spoilers, if you watch it, you'll get what we're talking about. But I guess just go into it. Uh, I, I think the one thing I want to address right off the top is general consensus of this movie puzzles me. Because there's a lot of people saying there that it's too long for what it is. And to all those people, I say, shut the fuck up. (laughs) 
this movie is absolutely perfect and i don't use that for a lot of movie the only movie uh, only other movie that comes to mind when i say it's absolutely perfect is paddington 2 <laughs> but not a single moment in this film is wasted every single line every single action of this movie is used to build up to the end result every nothing goes for granted in this movie everything is used uh it's also safe to say that this movie did win two oscars for a uh, Best achievement in production design going to Barbara Lang and Nancy Haig. And best performance by an actor in a supporting role, Brad Pitt, playing Cliff Booth, also Wyatt Filippelli. Finger guns. Never deal. I think, was it with you it's... watching it the first time that we walked out and we were like, yeah, he should get the best yeah. supporting actor? Yeah. This movie was also nominated for, for Best Picture of the Year, lost out to Parasite, which is completely fair. Yeah, Both Parasite outstanding movies. He went like 11 Oscars. Something like that. It was aggressive. Yeah. Uh, best Achievement in Directing was also nominated for, for Tarantino. Leo was also nominated for another Oscar on his record. Uh, best Original Screenplay was nominated. Best Achievement in Cinematography. Costume Design, Sound Mixing, and Sound Editing. Mm, yeah. Hmm? I was like, who won the, that year? Uh, best actor, Joaquin. Oh yeah, my boy Joaquin, and he says but, Rivers' freaking song but, lyric in the in the speech, and it's. But also, you don't like good. you don't like, quote unquote, like movies out in based in a superhero kind of world. Joker, you know, go fuck yourself, <laughs> <laughs> you fake fan. Just kidding. That was rude of me. Hey, hey, hey. Maybe I don't like superheroes, but Joaquin Phoenix in any movie, baby, I'm a freaking fan. You know what? Let's give, a, let's give a clap to Joaquin. Good job, Joaquin. Actually, Joaquin Phoenix is right here. Whoa! Yeah. yeah. Like having this no video thing. <laughs> Everybody's here. There's 13 people in here right now. <laughs> yeah, we're next door to Joe Rogan right now. I wonder if that ghost is back. Sounds like it. <laughs> Sorry, but where were we? Uh, I just got through the... Oh, the Oscars. The Oscars. Uh, what nuts. Yeah, so safe to say, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a classic fairy tale type story set in 1969 Hollywood. Just on the cusp of the end of the Golden Age? Was that the Golden Age cinema? Or was that... It's right around the, the turn. Yeah. Right, like, I think 69 for sure was... It started becoming... Different. You got like uh, Marlon Brando and mm. James Dean coming in, bringing in a bit more of the method techniques, and then you'll get you know De Niro's, Nicholson's, Pacino's. Like yeah. those guys are coming later, but they they all study in that method. You're in the character more, yeah. but yeah, it's right around the turn. I I personally think that the uh, the Manson murders are what really changed Hollywood. Yeah. It really changed the whole layout of L.A. And, and, then on. and that's what this movie is basically looking at. It's like what it was before then and how it how it would have or how it would have changed if yeah. things didn't play out the way they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. which would be really interesting to see because it definitely took a darker turn mm-hmm. Hollywood after that event. Yeah, they were saying it, um, Hollywood had an open door policy until this and then that's when the gates started coming up and mm. the doors started shutting. That's I think that's what Margot Robbie said in an interview for the movie. Yeah. It's, it's really sad, man, because watching this movie, it's just, you can see the innocence in it. Like, it, at the first beginning, you're in, like, what was it, February? Yeah. Is where you start out, and you can see the innocence in it. Mm. Like, just the world, you know, going on. Yeah, and then all the of a sudden. All living their life. 
you know, what was it, six months later? Yeah. yeah. Six months later, everything changed. It's insane. Yeah, because it didn't just impact Hollywood. Um, after the murder of Sharon Tate, it also affected everybody's home lives too because it was then getting to the point of, yeah, don't trust your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Don't trust your strangers. Yeah. Because people are fucked. It's true. Dude, I can't believe people are saying that the runtime on this movie is jacked. I can't believe that. Well, the, it, I, I think the main complaint coming from it is that they're just seeing certain scenes drag on longer than they do, which they don't. Point that out, they don't. And and they tend to like pick different scenes, like when they're at the ranch and saying that's completely unnecessary. And I, I'm like, no, it's not. Just building up tension. It's, it's building up tension. You finally come face to face with the antagonist of this movie. <laughs> oh, squeaky! <laughs> um, and it, I, th- I think the other, because that's one of the big ones coming out. People are saying that Margot Robbie didn't get enough screen time too, which I, I think I, I get where they're coming from, but at the same time, to her, uh, her character, Sharon Table. Well, we were on this today. She wasn't really that. Famous of an actress, yeah. It's no. bad as it sounds, like what you were saying, like her biggest, unfortunately, her biggest claim to fame is being murdered. Yeah, which and is one of the most famous cult the, murders in the history yeah. of the world. Like, yeah. it's, it, it's unfortunate. unfortunately, it's like for all those people saying that, what would you do? Like, you know what I mean? The people who are saying that, did you do the research into Sharon Tate? If you're gonna speak like that, you best know what she did in her life. Hmm. And, yeah. and, and what, what, Quentin Tarantino could have done better and what you would have done to show more of Sharon Tate's life. I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah. What what that would yeah. be like. Not to sound like a dick or anything. Because also, to me, the three key players in this movie, Sharon Tate, Cliff Booth, and Rick Dalton, they represent three different aspects of Hollywood at that time. You've got, Absolutely. You've got the up-and-comer, the, the American dreamer. You've got the guy down on his luck who's just who has hit rock bottom essentially and you got the guy just trying to get a day job mm-hmm. oh my who the fuck is the guy down his luck Rick Dalton no oh Rick Dalton sorry yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking right. wow. the booth the booth A has a dog sick um passing in the open fucking bedtime sick <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he wants, he eats macaroni at yeah. ten o'clock. Though he's <laughs> macaroni and he's got no rules. Yeah. You know, he has movies anytime he wants. He can beat up people, drive throughout traffic as much as he wants, smoke ass. Whoa! Hey, it's the sixties, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, he smokes ass in all the chat, and boys. he's still a good guy because you know, fucking what's your nut? Fucking um, and he eats bags. sunflower or snowflake, whatever his name was. The girl he picks up. Oh. Daffodil? What's a stupid name? Um, Pussycat. Pussycat. Not even Rumble Close Without thinking. You know, yeah, we all love Pussycat. He was like, well, he was like, yeah, ID. Because he's still new. Ooh. I don't want to prison. Boom. She got mad because, you know, she's a crazy person. He goes, finds, go, tries to go find. Why would you call her crazy? What? Um, maybe it's because, you know, she doesn't shave her armpits, first of all. Who? <laughs> <laughs> She, um, you know, lost, you know, she, you know, she was Charles Manson, you know, hey, with a good old Charles, 
And uh, maybe it was Squeaky. And uh, the old guy. <laughs> hey, hey, George isn't the blind one. You're the blind one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> Not that. But, um, sorry, yeah, so that's my clip booth. It's awesome. Sorry. So what's his character then? You said there's the Abbott Connor, which is Marlo Rowdy. Mm-hmm. So what's Cliff Booth you said? Cliff Booth is just the guy, try, just a day player. He's just trying to live day by day, getting by. Okay, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can definitely tell which character is Wyatt's favorite in yeah. this movie. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm not a big Brad Pitt fan. At first, I'm like, hey, you know what? I'm like, he's gold, he's good. But I'm like, hey, it's not my cup of tea. You watch this movie, it's like, dude, I was wrong. I genuinely liked him too. Yeah, like I just yeah, I genuinely like his character was awesome. He, he has a dog named fucking Brandy. And if that fucking song came out earlier, that would be a dope song to play when they're when Brandy's biting all the bad guys. Fucking, Brandy, yeah, you're a fine girl. Like how dope would that be? Good wife you would be. Like how dope would that be? Sure, and also, let's just face it, Brandy is the real star of the show. Yeah. The Brandy, you know, Cliff Booth would have had to kill his wife. I, I do have something well, interesting about the music, though, since you brought that up. Uh, I was watching an interview with Tarantino, and he says, all of the, mu- all of the music, let me find my notes here. Yeah, so, um, it was KHJ Radio. Yeah. yeah. Boss. He got 17 hours of KHJ uh, recordings. Yeah. Between 68 and 69. And this was just going to different people because, again, they had no archive of what they recorded. Every single song in this film was in the recordings. He didn't want to use anything else. He wanted to make sure it was from the era. So any song he wanted to use that wasn't in that recording, didn't use. Okay. There's one song we're trying to find today. It was when... She's in the theater. Oh my it's the God. second song. It's a guy wearing. It's he's like the discount white version of. Uh, like, what is his name? James James Brown. James Brown. James James Brown. Hold on, guys. Technical difficulty. De- technical difficulties. Give me one second. I think it's James Brown. It sounds right. James Brown. It's James Brown. But it, it's the second song in the in the. We've scoured the internet. If you know. Let us Listeners, know. please throw it in the comments section. I'm dying to know. Because we tried Shazamming it. wouldn't pop up. So it's after... What it's is... after the first... It's... Yeah. You see what we're saying? Yeah. It's... I think That's it's a cover. It might be. It must be a cover. But then, of what song? But then, like, I, I wonder I who he is. I found that song earlier today, but it must be a cover. It, it must be a cover of that. What's that song called, then? It's called, um... That song, and it's just find an old white yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just looks... <clears throat> All right, we'll do that later. Yeah, sorry. But, yeah, my bad. So, so the main reason why he wanted uh, all the music to come from KSJ is because he wanted to base the entire soundtrack around uh the era and he thought the best way to do it live news live adverts from that time and also he didn't want a song unless he could find an intro and outro from khj yeah yeah that sounds i love the soundtrack in mm. this movie talk about just like inca- like it just encapsulates everything right. like driving around you throw this on and you feel like you're in the movie a little bit mm. it's it's unreal there's not a right. bad song on it no not a bad tune. Even the freaking ads. So, like, with every movie show, we make our way down 
the plot and talk about it? Yeah, sure, let's do it. <clears throat> so we open with the Bounty Law trailer. Bounty Law. <laughs> Bounty Law. Jake Cahill. Which uh, also, a uh, pretty interesting fact is Quentin Tarantino, when talking to DiCaprio about creating the character and what Bounty Law was like with Rick Don and Jake Cahill, he wrote five episodes just to like pad out the That's universe cool. for him. Yeah. Just so we had a bit more information on what he was going through. That's cool. Yeah, he, he had all this. Oh, how cool did they film that? And they put it as like a, like, as like a bonus feature in the DVD and oh, you yeah. can watch yeah. it five episodes. I that'd be dope. I think there was talk of them doing a there, spin-off. Yeah, that's what I heard. Of, that'd be good. Of a Rick Dalton. Like a spin-off, spin-off where he's of Bounty Law. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I, I, Yo, Leo, I know you're probably not listening to this, but for whatever reason if you stumble across us, you and Quentin need to fucking do it. And if you need a long bandito, long-haired bandito, and all the stunts have to be done by Brad Pitt. I know when they were talking about it and creating the Rick Dalton character, mm. he writ he had written a whole backstory of movies. His Rick Dalton's entire career yeah. from start to finish he had written. And then I know that he was basing a lot of it off of Steve McQueen, so he was doing mm. like the the Magnificent Seven, I wanna say, or Mix it I I forget, Magnificent Seven or Six. And then I can you can smell riflemen all over the beginning of this movie, like this movie. It's awesome, and you can see like there's a ton of actors in this movie. Oh yeah, it's it's literally insane. In the first three seconds, you have John Kreese from Karate Kid, the bad yeah. guy, No Mercy, and then you also have Ajax from The Warriors. So just doing a quick rundown. I'm not going to go through every name, but we have. Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Emily Hirsch, uh, Margaret Qualley, Timothy Oliphant, Julia Butters, Austin Butler, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, uh, Luke Perry, Damian Lewis, Al Pacino. Uh, Ooh, ah. Why is he so far down the list? Who? Where's your boy? Because uh, it's not in alphabetical order, is it? No, I don't think so. Because, you know, Leo... Or in, um... Leo comes after Brad. You idiot. You know, funny story. Who? Burt Reynolds was actually cast as, um... Oh, George Kurt Russell? Hmm? Are you talking about... Kurt Russell? Boy? Yeah, Kurt Russell, yeah. My boy! I, I can't find him on here. I'm, like, scrolling down and down and down and he's not on here. My boy! The mullet master! Watch him be, like, fourth row. He's past him. If you think fourth row, far right, I'm saying. My boy... The Bullet Master, Mr. Kurt Russell. What a stud. Anyway, no, did you guys know that uh, Burt Reynolds was originally cast as George Spawn? And really? He passed away before filming started, so then Bruce Stern came in to fill in. Damn. Yeah. That's why he's credited. Mm. I think, yeah. Same with uh, Luke Perry, it's his last movie he ever did. Right. He's right there. I'm on IMDb. I, I just do. scroll quite far down. Is it IMDb's? Like, just their quick little That's one? That's Google. No. Trips and Burt Reynolds. Better run better. Um, Kidding. I get we have to scroll so far down for Kurt Russell yet. Bruce Dern's just, like, 10th down. 
Yo, show some fucking respect okay. to Kurt Russell. But also, like Bruce Dern did have some screen time, then Kurt, Kurt only had like six lines. He had two scenes. Yeah, which like six lines each. Bruce Dern had three lines. Yeah, and there were three great lines. Squeaky. <laughs> oh, squeaky. Go on, guys. And also, he's older. He's an old guy. Let him have it. You're racist. <laughs> Says the fucking wife murderer over here. Hey. Innocent till proven guilty. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Wait, so. We'll get rid of the The behind the scenes interview with uh, Rick Dalton, Cliff Booth. And then we have the uh, the montage of like them going to a bar and uh, oh, great scene. Sharon Tate coming into America with Roman fucking Polanski. <laughs> Roman Polanski. Roman fucking Polanski. And then we have Roman them. Rosemary's uh, baby. <laughs> then drinking their iconic drinks. Oh, both great drinks too. Mm-hmm. Whiskey yeah. sours. And a nice Caesar. Would be Bloody Mary. Yeah, it'd be Bloody Mary if it's US, right? No, but, you know. And then in through the door. Al Pacino. Muppets. <laughs> Al Pacino. Juan. Juan. <laughs> he is a Juan all over this movie. Juan all over. Great guy. Ooh, what a picture. Ooh. <laughs> Was it? It's the seven fifths of. Fourteen, 14? fifths of McCluskey. McCluskey. Oh, and it's the first time I really noticed this line. He's like, oh. I had myself a Rick Dalton double feature last night. And then Leo turns around and goes, well, I hope it didn't hurt you. I hope it didn't hurt you too bad. And I fucking just started laughing because I was like, it's the first time I heard it. And he's like, oh. I watched Tana. Tana. And then the 14 fifths of McCluskey. What a picture. Oh, my God. Caught myself a cigar. Bought myself cognac. Turned on. And in this, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. We get a very classic rule in plays and filmmaking: Chekhov's rule. If you introduce a gun in the first act, you better fire it in the third, mm-hmm. and that is with the flamethrower. Can, can, can you turn down? It's kind of hot. <laughs> it's, it's a flamethrower. Right. Practice with that dragon for three weeks. <laughs> three hours a day, three weeks. You know, not just because I wanted to get used to it. Wanted to look like I was doing. Wanted to look like I was doing it, you know. Wanted to get used to the heat. Again, I just want to say how not a single piece of information is wasted in this movie. We introduce the flamethrower here. Mm-hmm. We then introduce that he used it himself. We then get... Uh, when Cliff Booth is in the shack. Yeah, we get Cliff Booth sent to fix the antenna. Yeah. He needs to get the tools from the shed. Camera pans down. Pan- Pans does out. it even pan down? A kind of, a kind of. Okay. I get like a, I get enough to get in full yeah. picture. I think. If he doesn't go to the shed to get the stuff, we would never see that he had it there. Honestly, look, a though, perfect setup. First time I saw it, I completely missed that it was in the shed. I completely missed that. I too. didn't know it was there. I'm like, well, how did he? Like, what the hell? And then I think it was you told me oh, it's in the shed. I'm like, what? And then when we saw it, like the next day, I'm like, oh, there it is. Yeah. The. The unbelievable mastery of filmmaking that is happening in this mm. movie is fucking mind-boggling. It is insane. The amount of... There's... Alfred Hitchcock, as a director, used to believe that you don't... You try to show 
things to the audience without telling them. Yeah. So you use your camera. So he used to use like dolly zooms and zooms in on things to show the audience that this is of importance. Tarantino does that, but it, it, the one thing that I found today, there when um, Martin Schwartz is talking to Rick Dalton and he's telling him that he has to go do Italian movies. Yeah. It, this is really the point where Rick Dalton's entire world is changing mm. where he realizes hey i have a i have to battle with myself here yeah. this is an inner struggle and this is where it starts and as he's sitting here listening and thinking about it and and you can see it starting to crumble the inside the camera just pushes forward a tiny mm. little bit and i was like oh my god like it's just that it's totally crazy yeah yeah it's just shit like that where it's mm. like you know you're you're seeing really somebody who and especially somebody who who isn't tech, quote unquote technically trained in the field mm. a guy who freaking worked in a movie store and watched movies and is the biggest cinema cinephile ever just like just the guts there's nothing in this movie that you see that doesn't pay off mm. and i think also one thing with this movie is exceptional is it is the perfect classic structure the three-act structure follows it to a t almost and if it went more contemporary route by trying to like merge all of it it wouldn't work because you got a clear beginning middle end you got day one day two the night Mm -hmm. yeah and all of it follows it you got the uh inciting moment then you have the rising tension in Act 2, and then you have the conclusion of Act 3, and it all builds perfectly, follows the streamline perfectly. It's it's cool. Like he, I guess he took he wrote this over five years as a novel before he even thought about making it into a movie. I'd like to read that. Honestly. But I know like the whole Act 2 takes place in one full day. Hmm. We were saying that today. You were saying like it's it's one day. Yeah, it's weird, man. It, it almost feels like almost like a, a link letter film where it's like mm. it's like one day as it goes. It's like dazed and confused or something, yeah. and it's just yeah. going through, and you're with these people and their lives. Yeah, of what today is. Yeah, because then after we have the uh, the fourteen fifths of McCluskey. Uh, <laughs> again, we are introduced to uh, Rick Dalton's in a struggle and then right after that we are introduced to the antagonist of the movie and that is the manson girls singing along walking in the street which is song too yeah. yeah the actual song which which might seem like in passing because i think when i first watched i didn't think much of it but rewatching, watching i'm like perfect setup struggle antagonist right next to each other side by side and then from there it just propels the movie <coughs> forward honestly like the the crazy thing about that is is it's freaky because it is one of his songs mm-hmm. and it's and it's freaky and that's n- just another thing that's like this guy did his homework he knows exactly right. he knows he knows a lot of shit man yeah. and funny story though I got uh, he me and him were talking about it. Meatloaf, the singer, mm. and he moved out to L.A. from New York 
in like 68. Mm. And he found this hitchhiker on the side of the road. And he's like, oh, man, come on, hop in. He's like, oh, you want to meet a beach boy? Meatloaf's like, fucking right, I want to meet a beach boy. So he drove this hitchhiker up to, like, the beach boy's mansion, the drummer. Mm. He's like, oh, man. Man, he says you can't come in. He's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Cool, thanks. And he's like, yeah, call me Rabbit. So anyway, they go inside. Something about Rabbit I remember, but go inside and you know it's about a year later and meatloaf's in a bar and he's having a drink and the fucking manson murders are on tv he fucking gave a ride to charles manson up to the beach house like up to the, up to the house up to the house where the uh beach boys drummer lived. yeah was that, was that, that wasn't terry tate's house no that was terry melcher's house before they were renting it from terry melcher at the time wow. but the beach boys like Manson wanted to be a rock star so fucking bad, but he just, nobody gave him the time of day. And then I guess the drummer stole one of his songs and that fucking just set Manson off the handle. But, like, talk about fucking, like, escaping something that could have went bad. Yeah. But yeah, honestly. It's pretty fucking insane, man. One of the women, like, one of the uh, women of, of, uh, Women of Manson, but uh, in the family, um, one of the girls, it's uh, Kevin Smith's daughter, yeah. Harley, Harley Quinn Smith. Smith. Yeah, but I bet Kevin Smith was jacked about that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I bet he absolutely lost his mind. I fucking love Kevin Smith yeah. so much. He's such a beaut. It's a great dude. But um, the small talk in this movie is this is when, like, after that, they're driving back, and he's talking about how he doesn't want to be in these westerns that are in Italy. Italy, and like Cliff Booth is saying, like, "Dude, I really don't. This doesn't sound <laughs> that bad, yeah. right?" And it's just like the small talk in this movie, like just like little characterizations in lines is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And then we finally get him dropping off Rick. Uh, Sharon Tate, Polanski pull up. We're done. Cheers up again, and then we have the, I'd say, best transition of worlds, because we see Cliff go, "All right, see you tomorrow." Walks out, and we see his car for the first time, and it's this beaten down piece of crap car, mm-hmm. and he goes in, and we follow him drive out of Hollywood, down to Panorama City, and we just see his home life, and it's just a contrast of. When you make it, when you're supporting. Mm-hmm. Which also goes to the most, well, I think is the most important scene of this whole film is when he's feeding his dog. Yeah, I'm right. That is Go. the most important scene of this whole movie because if that scene isn't there, everything else leading up to the conflict at the end falls apart. Because what we're doing in this scene is setting a baseline to how Cliff operates. And as soon as we introduce him to the um, acid uh, lace cigarette, we have a repeat of this scene, and we see how much he is impaired, and how much more of a danger it is when the Manson family ro- rocks up, and it actually gives you uh, dread because you're like, oh no, we don't have the guy who went toe to toe with Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, straight up. So if this, this scene isn't there, then we have nothing to compare to what is he going to be like when he's high. Because then it's just like, oh, he can take it, no problem. I don't know, because... Wait, what? Okay, hold on, I'm just going to have to... So they didn't have the scene where he went back home mm. to feed Brandy. You're a fine girl. That, but then the, then the scene where Brandy kills everybody wouldn't make sense. Well, so what? I think I know what you're saying. Mm. If he didn't go back home mm-hmm. and do the the regular day of I'm making mac and cheese and now I'm feeding my dog and then and everything's working. Oh, okay. When yeah. he's high and he's like, oh, whoa, let me taste this and all this shit. You're like, okay, you are inebriated yeah. and you are the guy trouble. who can kick ass when these oh, guys okay. come yeah. up. And it just builds suspense. Okay, yeah. okay. Now okay, I, I was like, am I right or am I not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And yeah. again, I think the whole crux of this movie w- does rest on this one scene because mm-hmm. I think all rising tension is just gone yeah no, people I, at home you can agree or disagree with that that's just how I view it <laughs> I, I think there's a there's a really important line in here and it's when he when they see Roman Polanski and and Leo's character Rick Dalton starts like getting more pep in his mm. step he's like I'm one pool party away from being in uh, a movie directed by baby. yeah and then he says this is why you always buy a house in town mm. you know when you start making money that means you fucking live here you live here you're not just staying you live here and you see what happens like the 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 difference of yeah living in LA and then it's like whoa that's freaky like mm. you know what i mean you can see it you can see it right from the beginning that the, the we're living in this, you know, place. It's always summer. It's always sunny. Yeah. And fucking murder and mayhem is just around the corner, a couple months away. And then at the end, you hear him. He's When he comes back from Italy, it's totally flipped. And it's like, no, actually, I'm going to go buy uh, I'm gonna go buy a condo at... Uh, Lake... Uh, like Toffoli or something? Toffoli? Toffoli, yeah. Toffoli Lake or whatever. Yeah, Toffoli Lake, yeah. Like, just the complete and utter shift that happened the complete shift the complete and utter shift that happens throughout this movie right and how it's changed to i'd rather have the condo and be safe than stay in stay in a house in the uh in town and freaking have that shit happen little did he know that night or not that night but you know the night he came back Mm -hmm. i would also like to point out just from this conversation is you can't talk about moments in this movie without incorporating the movie as a whole mm-hmm. and with that I just want it just shows how good a job everyone working on this picture has done because again like I said not a single moment is wasted because it all incorporates into everything else everything has a parallel everything has a payoff everything has a setup and everything is needed mm-hmm. So there was an interview that I was watching with uh, Kurt Russell, and he said, he's like within the first five pages, he said the the web that Quentin weaves when he starts writing is unbelievable. It's like it's unlike anything. I need to just start reading his screenplays and how he writes. I, honestly, I was thinking that too because it's just like I wonder what he puts in it to. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like what's what happens when you're sitting down i know he writes them by hand before like typing them mm. up and stuff but i'm like what happens from ink to frame you yeah. know what i mean and what happens what happens what's in between that for mm. him 
you know is this this is right when we also get um Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski going to the Playboy Mansion yeah. right so so the the jacket that she's wearing in that scene it's a snakeskin jacket she wore it to the premiere of Rosemary's Baby actually oh really yeah and, and Quentin Tarantino was like huge that he wanted that jacket he wanted that jacket he's a huge fan of Rosemary's Baby mm. and um he's um he was like I want that snakeskin jacket so they had to make it to fit Margot Robbie because mm. you just can't find that stuff it was I think it was a special uh jacket made for Sharon Tate Oh, something okay. like that so yeah but they they end up going there and we meet more people in Hollywood yeah mm-hmm. but yeah I think uh, one thing that Tarantino was also able to do with uh, Damian Lewis playing Steve McQueen is he made smoking look cool again <laughs> the way he just like Almost palms a cigarette as he smokes and just takes a drink. Yeah, I never had a chance. I'm like, how in 2019 can you make smoking look cool again? Here's a problem for me, right? As much as smoking is bad for you, it will never look fucking uncool. Unfortunately. (laughs) That's the fucking brass tacks of it all. As bad as you know, you know somebody's smoking, and it's like, and I know why it's going to go, no, I don't find it cool. <laughs> I know he's going to do that. Not that But, come on. It's been, it has been embedded in cool yeah, for if so if you smoke, long. Yeah, a bad boy. Ah, I don't know. Why it's it's not just depending on who it is. I see people who smoke, it's like, he's made that so much more uncool. There are people. I won't say names, but we all know who I'm thinking of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then you go, like... But then when you see, yeah, like, when you see, like... It's just so embedded in the culture of, like, it's cool. Like, fucking, we're talking about old movies, like, fucking James Dean lighting a dart in that red windbreaker. Like, that's, that defined an era. Cool. You know what I mean? It's just been embedded in time, but I know what you mean, where it's like, right now, it's like, okay, if you smoke, like, come on. We know know what happens. But... But also like to parallel how Damien Lewis was directed to smoke that cigarette to how DiCaprio was. Because he was a fucking mess. It was all like... (laughs) 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 Just hawking loogies all over his set, man. Oh my god. And even with that... Even with that tiny detail, we see the golden boy versus the guy we're trying to push away. Mm Mm-hmm. It was like, this is why he's still in Hollywood. Guy can't even handle his smoke. Like, I don't know why it's so weird to me in this scene, but he's pointing at Jay Sebring and Roman Polanski, and then he finally points at Sharon Tate, and he's like, and those two came back. And then he makes a three with his hand and slaps yeah. his shoulder. Three times or whatever, right? He just like... I don't... I, I've never seen anybody do that other than in this movie. That's probably just, I don't know, like, I don't know, the three of them. That's what I'm saying. I don't know either. I'm assuming it probably it means like the three of them are like... Yeah, but I've never seen anybody like, go like this. Dramatic effect. Okay. Thanks for breaking it down for me. Hey, no worries, man. That's the funny That's. Is it a Steve McQueen thing that he's done in movies? I don't know. Or, you know what? It probably has. 
be playing the piano on his let's chest. Let's watch some Steve McQueen movies. I've not seen a single one. I'm down. I've got um, Great Escape on my laptop. Ooh. What a picture. Almost what a picture. Almost a Rick Dalton. For a second. And it was taken away. And then Timothy Oliphant asks him about it. Breaks his heart. Having a little snack break, guys. Oh, you're down here, so it doesn't pick up. Alright. So then we have the end of the first day. Mm-hmm. Going straight into the next day. We have Cliff driving Rick to work. And I, I think this, for the most part, we can kind of skip over and go into Cliff fixing the antenna, mm-hmm. reveal of the flamethrower, and then he has a flashback to why Kurt Russell doesn't like him. <laughs> no, I... Because I, he ki- killed his wife. His okay. wife doesn't like him. No proof. He didn't see the body. <laughs> it isn't true. It isn't true. He's with lies. We're lying. Come on. But one question I have for you both, All right. and it's probably the most controversial thing about this movie. How do you? What do you think about the way Bruce Lee was portrayed? Oh, we're talking about this. Like, do you have any issues with it, or do you think it's? Yeah. I just I can't I have I can't give my two cents because I honestly I just I just don't I don't know I don't know enough of. Mm. What Bruce Lee was probably what he was like, or even how the portrayal was like. I, I can't even say. Oh, you know, I thought they did it justice. I don't think Quinn would have. I don't think he, I like how people are saying. Oh, he was making fun of him. I don't mm-hmm. think no, he didn't at all. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I fuck, who knows? I get where people are coming from. Mm. He. Bruce Lee is a huge, huge person that people flock to. Um, you know, he, he was huge because it, it, it was just a zeitgeist moment mm. where he was right person, right time. with What he was doing was just right. And he's become a figure that a lot of people look up to. And whenever you start fucking around with a figure that people really look up to... You're going to have people who like it, and you're going to have people who dislike it. And that's, that's just what it is. That's brass tacks. But I don't know. I've, I've never seen a Bruce Lee movie. I don't, I, I, I've never been a big Bruce Lee fan, I guess. But it's like, I can see where people are coming from with the sense that it's like, you know, you feel that he's making fun of them. But also at the same time, have you done the research? That's the, that's the that's yeah. the question I really want to ask. If you're going to bring these things up, did you do the research? Did did he actually say that that he was better than Muhammad Ali? Do you know that he didn't say that, or do you have you heard that he said that? Yeah, because Quentin has has the he read the book and he looked into it and he said, hey, he said that he was better than Muhammad Ali at one point. So right now he's coming at you with fact. So you got to yeah. find something else to, to counteract the fact that he has. Because, yeah. again, going to that, it was family members and like friends of him were saying he was much more humble mm-hmm. than the way he was portrayed. And that's where it gets... Yeah. That's, that's where it gets dicey. Because it's family members. It's yeah. like, no wonder they're like, what, what the fuck is this? Yeah. 
because yeah. they they knew Bruce Lee in a, in a different way than everybody else, right? However, to Tarantino's point, uh, he wasn't trying to recreate Bruce Lee as a person. He was trying to recreate Bruce Lee as he was in Hollywood, i.e. how he was in his movies, how he was in Green Hornet. He was this strong figure. He was this badass karate master. And I think just the way he, he was set up in that scene you needed him to be a bit boisterous if we were to test the skills of Cliff. Mm-hmm. If you want to build the character of Cliff, yeah. he has to be more... Yeah. And, and again, it's nothing to harm Bruce Lee or anything like that. No. It's also how Tarantino remembered him on TV. It's like, I remember him being this fucking crazy martial artist. I remember him being this, because that's what I saw as he was and it's more of who he was on TV than who he was in real life yeah mm-hmm. and, and I guess when you're doing a fairy tale biopic of what could have been that's when things can start getting a bit dicey yeah and we're, and we're also taking leaps with with history mm. here we're taking huge leaps of, of of you know stories that have been you know of history yeah so I agree yeah you know what? It, it, it propels the plot. Mm. And uh, do I think that the family members have a right to be a little pissed off? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Abs- sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, it, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, fuck, if you're, if you're pissed off, it's justified. But, it, you know. Because one thing I would like to say is you have your stuntman. Who's meant? To, who's served in the army? People don't like him, but he's supposed to be your hero. Now, how are you going to test his skills? Who is going to be his knight trainer? Who's going to be his Jedi? Who's going to be his test of strength? Who else is there in Hollywood in 1969? Uh, Claude Van Damme. I don't know. I think he's 80s and 90s. Uh, Chuck Norris. Actually, he was in. Yeah, Chuck Norris was around the same time. I forget what movie he was in with him. It's 69. Who's that? Who's like the top of the food chain? Queen. But like just for fighting, just for pure skill. Probably those, probably Bruce Lee. Yeah. Like there's no one else you can really go to. I know Chuck Norris is where he went. If that's even right, smart. Let's look it up. He was in a movie with Bruce Lee. What what I'm just getting at is if you're trying to set up this guy, there's no one else you can really put him up against. Yeah, he's the cream of the crop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have that, you get to the end of him taking out the hippies. The way of the dragon. You're just going to question everything else before us. Like, no way could he do that. No way could he do that. Mm Mm-hmm. But to catch a flying jump kit from Bruce Lee and whip him into uh, Kurt Russell's wife's car. Hey, man. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess in that sense, too. It's like, who, who is there that's the cream of the crop that you can put your fictional character up against to prove that he is the toughest? Mm. You know, who, like you said, who else is there? I don't, I'm not even Chuck Norris because he was more of the 70s. Mm. 70s in. into the 80s. Yeah. Like, right? six, like, he did one, like the Wrecking Crew in 68, but so far everything else is just like, yeah, 
seventies to now. Mm-hmm. And and you can see even in some of the scenes, he he also helped train uh you know Sharon Tate. Oh. For her movies, and and he also was training Jay Sebring too. Yeah. Like, you know, so I I don't know. It's one of those things where I wish we got a little more of the character. Yeah. You know, a little bit more of a like different side of the character, but. I don't it, see. Here's the thing. I I don't know. I don't. I've never seen a Bruce Lee movie. I've never, you know, I've never even really seen an interview with the guy. But I remember Quentin saying in an interview that he read a book and he said like, I forget where it was. Maybe it was like, Cannes Film Festival. Okay. Where he said that he had read a book. About Bruce Lee's life. I don't know if that's right or not. Maybe just cut my opinion right out. <laughs> Honestly, because I don't know. I mean, I don't think we come up with a definitive answer whether it was right or not. We're just throwing out different speculations on why it was there, why it shouldn't have been there, and why it should be there. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we do get uh, Cliff Booth on the boat with his wife. You don't see the death, bro. You don't see the death. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, yeah, you don't see the death. No, it's applied. Yeah, he has a point right at her, and yeah. like his hands on the trigger. But you don't know. It could have been a misfire. Because then you also hear a wave hitting the ship at the exact same point, so you don't know if that knocked him. Yeah, if that knocked her, knocked him to shoot. Here's my question: Do you think he's taking inspiration from Natalie Wood? That whole Natalie Wood situation. I have no idea what time about Natalie Wood. You don't know who Natalie Wood is? No. No. She's in West Side Story. She's Maria, and she's also oh. in Rebel Without a Cause. She had fallen off oh. a ship. Christopher Walken was on it. Oh! And uh, you know this, I yeah. think her husband, Robert Wagner. If I'm wrong about the name, I apologize. But there was a lot of people who speculated that her husband pushed her over the edge because she was deathly afraid of water. But they're saying that she had jumped in. For some reason, she was inebriated. But they think that her and Christopher Walken had just finished working on a movie. And her and Christopher Walken were getting a little close. Robert didn't like that too much and pushed her over the edge. This is just all speculation. There's no, I, I, there hasn't been any real proof put to the matter. But there is a lot of speculation in that. Uh, if he, I was just wondering if maybe he took a little slice of that story and threw it into the clip booth. I mean, it's possible. Honestly, because I know, and I said it. I wrote a note about it. You could devote your entire fucking life trying to find the references in this movie. Yeah. Your entire life of pop culture references that he has thrown in this movie. In the background, you could look at uh, fucking transport truck names. Like, the names on the side Mm. of the trailers and try to... The movies that are playing in the different movie houses at the time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I know we were talking about James Dean. There's a huge mural of giant right behind mm. the Manson girls as they're singing the Manson song. Like there's just so much pop culture of the time period and movies and music. It's it really is. You'd have to def- you'd have to devote your life to right. trying to decode everything mm. in this movie. Mm. And then right after this little flashback, we see Cliff Booth on the roof, finishes work, sees a van coming up. We hear Hungry playing by Paul Revere. Charles Manson comes out and heads up to the Polanski house. Hungry for the good times, baby. Before we get copyrighted, I'm going to shut up. Yeah. If 
we haven't already been copyrighted for brand new. <laughs> but this is, um, yeah, riding in an ice cream truck. Because he's a sweet guy. <laughs> you know what? Here's the thing that I realized. Like, this didn't actually happen in real life. He, he knew that Terry Melcher wasn't there. He oh, just okay. knew that whoever was renting it from Terry Melcher was rich and had power. And that's why he targeted that house. He didn't know oh. the Polanski and Sharon Tate were staying there. He just knew whoever was renting had to be rich. So he didn't. He knew that Terry wasn't there. Mm. And we'll get into Terry Melcher later on in this podcast. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I'd say we can rush through the rest of this because we get to um, Rick Dalton on set. Caleb Dakota. It's Caleb Dakota. Oh, I thought it was pronounced Dakota. It's not. Oh. I want to say this too about that whole scene. That little girl could fight act. <laughs> so I am like, she is much better than anyone who went to VFS. Like any of us, any of what VFS, like I'm not talking shit about VFS. There's like, she's eight. She can hold the scene better than any of us. Yeah. And we paid thousands of dollars to yeah. go to a school. Well, she probably was just like, Hey, we need a young girl. Hey, you want to be in this movie? Sure. Pretty sure it wasn't that easy. Yeah, well, you know, you weren't there. Same with you. Exactly, so I might have been. I'm just putting my fucking piece of the pod in. Yeah, you want to be in the Tarantino movie? Yeah, all right. See you no, next like casting, like a casting call. And then she just right. went. Who knows? I'm done talking. But, like, it, it is very rare to get not only a good child actor, mm-hmm. but also get a child actor who can hold their own against Leo. Because that's just a different level. I'd shit my pants. <laughs> I think I'd shit and puke. <laughs> I'd shit, puke, and piss at the same time. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Um... <laughs> Why? What would you do if you met Leo? Nappets. Nah, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, hi, my name's, you know, hi, my name's Leo. Nappets. Nah, and then just leave. And you're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. Nappets will be, yeah. And then he do, he's like, actually, we're going to do a George Lucas. We're going to we're gonna superimpose your face over the little girl's face. And you, <laughs> you are now Trudy Frazier. What do you say? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'd say. Fair enough, bro. I think that's a I think that's the right accent for that time. Yeah, that sounds about right. Why is it the eighties? I think it's actually the twenties. Oh, so it's a little more. I do a little more brutal. Get you doing that one more time. Like, hey, Leo, baby. <laughs> Give me a week with that. <laughs> oh my god. But uh, this is where, uh, yeah, we figure out that this girl is a serious fucking actor. And, it, and it's... And plus him only, too. Like, just, like, I think it's his character. Like, I think... Or I think, oh, also, probably him. Probably him, too, in real life. <laughs> was like, oh, like... It's like, oh, aren't you eating? I'm not eating. It's like, why? And the scene's next, and I don't want to be sluggish. Okay, sorry. Yeah, oh. I'm definitely eating snacks on set. <laughs> oh, no, I can't. I wouldn't be able to. I'm just, I, I need to take a quick leak, so I'm going to leave you two with this thought. Uh, after watching the scene with Mary Bella and 
Rick Dalton. Uh, I thought it showed the turn of the acting styles from the very standard way of doing it to the more method version. Uh, how do you think that was taken? I'm going to take a leak. How do you think it, it was shown? Uh, yeah, how do you think it was shown? Do you think they could have done it? Was it too on the nose? Was it... Take it away. I need You want me to go? Yeah, because I so super confused on the question. I think the way they showed it is is really what scene? Um, when when he put in, when, when he he's sitting down with her. And oh, when he put the improv, he's like, yeah, like you bucking Bronco, or whatever, and that yeah. stuff. Oh, like, I want more like evil, sexy Hamlet. That one. Yeah. yeah okay. I think it, I think it really shows just like Tarantino really said it in the best. He said, you know, throughout the fifties. And earlier on, it was a bunch of guys who, you know, sat around running pocket cones through their pompadours. And really, really back then, it, it, it wasn't, um, it was acting, but it was also uh, trying to charm their way into your home every Monday or Tuesday yeah. to watch their show, you know. And then you see in this where um, um, they're talking about, you know, putting a bunch of uh, hair on them you know, mustache and, you know, a hat and everything and really changing it up. And I think it really shows the, the change in, in society of how, how we now look at actors. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, now we watch old performances and go, Oh my God, look at that. But you know, back then that was just a regular. And then right at the turn, I think it showed it perfectly with, you know, the improv and I know that he was listening to it there and then he shuts it off and it's like they said that they wanted it to be like the fight at the okay corral but the fight was against himself and you can see it because if you guys are actors you know when it's on it's on and you know nothing can stray you you're on and i think they played that perfectly with how it was all set up because you can tell when he's on He's on. I don't, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, the scene to me plays perfectly. I think it shows perfectly the, the, the change. Uh, I, I think it's him realizing that something needs to change and talking to that little girl, realizing, holy shit, there's something in the wind that is changing what I've always known. So make sure the wind in your leg. I'll stretch you out my leg. but like also in here there's just did did you notice the weird um, the weird cuts with Timothy Oliphant and Leo here like there's just weird cuts it's weird yeah because when he first goes talks to him right he's talking his hat's on he takes his hat off yada yada click hats on Talk to oh, talk, yeah. click, and it's like a complete conversations I, I have like multiple thoughts about what that was trying to be no it's, it's either passage of time and just trying to get on and just rick being uncomfortable because like oh, this guy's gushing my career is dead or it was a homage to movies from the 60s where it's like where you're cutting two different pieces together where it's like 
this doesn't fit with that, but we got to go with this take, and everything's just completely different, like mm-hmm. costumes and stuff like that. It could also be that. I, I don't know. Yeah, because I thought it was just them using every bit of film they had. Because they were filming it on 35mm, I think. Yeah, th- they were filming on 35, uh, 16, and Super 8. Yeah, because Super 8's when he's in Italy, right? Yeah. Yeah. 16mm uh, is when they were doing all the um, filming of the TV shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They they were they couldn't shoot on seventy millimeter because they were gonna do it for that big sequence between like Tim Philip and then uh, Leo when actually filming the show, but because Tarantino wanted zooms, they couldn't do it because you can't do that on seventy millimeter or sixty five millimeter. Yeah, yeah. So all that like technical stuff where mm. I get lost and all that, mm. but I'd love to learn. I think it's super interesting. Yeah. And we also get like this cut of Leo in The Great Escape, like and he's there. that was really well done. It was like eerie, man. It was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm just I feel bad because you either go in full detail. I don't know what the fuck. I can't go in detail with that shit. I'm fucking, I'm not smart. Yeah, you are. I'm the dumb one who people like. Thanks, man. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm the one that, that they like. You two? <laughs> you feel bold. How about, how about this? How about Not this? How you, about, two? you two? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's just like, hey, only these two, they know their shit, but they're a little... No, <clears throat> I kind of come in. Like, hey, doggy. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll from from this point on, we'll turn the podcast over to Wyatt. He can take it from here. Yeah. So, we are now done with him on set of, what was it called again? <laughs> See? I just don't, like, I still, my, I, my brain just doesn't fucking work like your guys. I don't retain information. Well, neither does my nest. <laughs> I'm just reading straight from my laptop. So, anyways. Let's talk about what we all want to talk about. And that is, What? I'm saying how Cliff Booth <laughs> made some crackhead fix his tire, his boss's tire. Have we got to the uh, bit Yeah, Have we talked about that? No, that's in that, what we were talking about too. He fucked up his lines. He was doing what you were doing like two weeks ago. Remember? Oh my fucking God. God you, you, you lived that. Oh my God. God, talk about a depiction of a fucking actor in this scene, dude. Oh my god. Yeah, he took. Yeah, he he took him what ten hours? It took me to do two scenes. Ten hours to do two scenes. Literally verbatim the lines. I'm pretty sure I said it. It You knew the fucking lines, and then you made it look like you didn't know the fucking lines. Honestly, dude, that was him. I lived that for fucking eight hours. Since from three p.m. till about eleven thirty. PM. I Damn. lived that scene. Yeah. For, was... And then finally I got the take. I almost freaking cried. Yeah, he was shaking. He was like, like his adrenaline was just. <laughs> and we watched the scene and he's like, give me sexy Hamlet. And he's sitting there and he's like, smoldering, more smoldering. And I'm like, fuck, if that was me, I'd be shaking right now. Like, finally got it. <laughs> also, I've, I must I chugged like a full black coffee. It was like, God, 
honestly, I think I had the conversation. She's like, if you don't get these fucking lines right, yeah. blowing up in the fucking bathtub. Because I've one hundred percent had those moments. Oh. Why have you had those moments where you're just completely? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not just with acting. I'm anything. And it could be from wanting to ask about a girl to to even just talking to me fucking a few months and then to yeah an audition where it's like fuck you know like you screw up and uh, yeah no I think everyone's had this yeah. no yeah and it's actually to the point where you like you do talk to yourself like if you don't fucking this right I'm blowing your fucking head off yeah I don't think you can say that you're a successful actor until you have a moment like that honestly well. Because you've never been to the deep pits of hell. Yeah. Because there's moments when you look at yourself, you're like, I'm fucking disgusted in you right now. And you look at yourself and you're like, how the hell did you get here, you foul beast? And then, like, you finally do it. You're like, god damn, you kind of... Hey, that was a good job. Right? Hey, you look good, man. You know what? You know what? Dust yourself off. Go grab a Pepsi Zero and calm down. So the actor who plays good old Charles Manson... You know, he also plays Charles Manson in Manhunter. Yes. Sam, it's kind of fucking like... like it's not kind of... A, it's, it's a gift and a curse. It's, yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, we need Charles Manson. Let's get... I forget his name. Um, you have it. He's Australian. And, and this, you know, he's like, you know he's fucking probably in fucking like, Sydney. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Again? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Not, Damon Harriman. Not Australian. He's Australian a little bit. Right, he can't throw his... You know, he's all like, fuck psych. Yeah, all right, we'll do it again. If Hugh Jackman can play Wolverine, I can play, uh, you know, Manson, <laughs> I guess. It's actually yeah. a handsome chap without the fucking beard and long hair. Right. Oh, my God. Like, it's such a gift and a curse, because yeah. you're like, yeah. I, guys, 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 come check out the new Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm in it. Who do you play? Charles Manson. Who's that? Who? Charles Manson. Who? Charles. Um, Charles? Charles who? Charles uh, Manson? Like, like the Charles Manson? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, like the, the guy. Where do I sign? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so we want you to play Charles Manson. Here's a contract. And then you get a phone call from David Fincher that moment. goes, <laughs> hey, yeah, so uh, doing a new show, Mindhunter. Got the perfect role for you. Oh my God, really? Yeah, so we're doing a whole show about serial killers and we're going inside their mind, doing interviews and stuff like that. It's based on two actual FBI detectives. We think wow. it'd be perfect for this role. Great. What is it? Is it one of the detectives? Uh, it's, uh... <clears throat> Charles Mintz. Who? Oh, you know, it's a very famous guy, a real-life guy, Charles Mintz. Who? You know, uh, Charlie Sheen? Yeah. Well, take the sheen yeah. and replace it with Manson. <laughs> oh my fucking god! Yeah, no, I'll sign on right now. Not that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, like, ugh, fuck. I couldn't. Be your back, too. Yeah. Okay, quick phone call, missed. Yeah, continue talking. So, so we'll wait for Wyatt to come back because I feel like he really wants to talk about the rhyme scene with Cliff Booth. So, so we wait for him to come back. Let's double check it. No, it's not. Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, I think another thing we can quickly dive into is um, going back to the Mary Bella bit where he's talking about the book. Uh, the first time watching this movie, I thought a little on the nose. 
the book mm-hmm. that Rick's, Rick's reading. It was like, oh, that's a very clear parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wink and a nudge, wink and a nudge. Rewatching it, and I'm like, oh no, this is supposed to be on the nose because he only now is picking up that that's his life. Mm-hmm. And, and he's only halfway through. Yeah, and he's only halfway through, so you know he's been reading it for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's just getting to that point, like, oh, this is like his point of no return type thing now he's finally seeing what his life is going through now mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so, oh don't worry oh, this the, it must be a really good book if you're crying you've been living it in about 15 years <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, it, it, there's I'm sorry but there there is a certain caliber of actor mm. and it's Leo is the top. He's cool. top caliber as far as I'm concerned, man. Yeah. He, the character in this film that he is playing is so well-rounded. Yeah. It's insane. It's the type of stuff that you can't even comprehend. No, like mm. the, the, you know, even we talk about Tarantino and making the movie and it's like, yeah, every set you know, you look at, you know, when they're in the bar and it's like salt and pepper shakers. Probably, he probably did research into that bar because I think it is a very famous okay. L.A. spot. And, and like the history of well. L.A., I think that is a very, very historic bar. But he does research into that. But it's like also the little nuances. And I, I, I can't help but wonder if Leo does the same thing because I know De Niro does the same thing. Mm. And I know De Niro is one of Leo's guys he loves De Niro but I know De Niro is a huge stickler for how does my character hold his lighter while he's lighting a cigarette how does Mm. he how I know for Goodfellas he was asking a shitload of questions about like how does my character you know hit a glass ketchup bottle does he just shake it does he tap the top does he smack the bottom all that stuff so I don't know if maybe Leo's doing that during this but either way man he is He's fucking putting on a show this entire movie, as far right. as I'm concerned. You want a leading man, just fucking look to him and try to take notes. Because, again, this is nothing against Leo or anything like that, but for most of his movies I watch, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Leo. Mm-hmm. It's Leo, yada, 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 and that's why I'm kind of like in and out for most of his movies. But for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he really kicks it up a gear. Mm-hmm. Like, he fully disappears, not just as Rick Dalton but also as all the characters in the stuff he's playing, which is very rare to see. And being a guy, being another guy, being another guy. It's insane. Mm. And I think in doing that, the exact same has to go for Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Brad Pitt, again, putting on a fucking show mm. in this movie. I like why it was saying earlier, not a huge big Brad Pitt fan. Mm. Uh, Brad yeah. Pitt. <laughs> Brad Pitt. I'm not a huge Brad Pitt fan. No, I'm not a huge Brad uh, Pitt fan. Mm. Until I saw this movie. And he, he... Fuck, he is... I can see why Wyatt loves Brad Pitt in this movie so much. He, he's putting on a show and he's... He's fucking badass in this movie. Yeah, right, he does. Okay, right? Oh, yeah. What? Right. So we're talking about now. Where are we at? Uh, we're at where you uh, left off. Your boy. <laughs> Which one? We're going to, uh, we're going to go to, uh, Spawn Ranch. Oh, Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch. Spawn 
Speaking of Cliff, Cliff Booth, look at the moccasin he's wearing walking around. That's called back problems. Yeah, honestly. Those, there's no <laughs> support. That you're basically to do. Let's go barefoot. Yeah, that honestly, happened. at that point. Like, right. it's just like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, dude, they don't look comfy. Like, how, how good does your bed feel when you lie down after walking around in those things like, every day? Probably get in the bed. I think it's my sleep on my chair. The recliner. But how good is that recliner? <laughs> Throw your little TV, drink your beer, eat your macaroni, have your dog, no pooch, no brandy action. Look at the photos, trying to see the shoes. It's um, it's like, a, like it's near the beginning when they both walk out, I think, to go to the bar. It's like that. That's his shoe. <laughs> Honestly, like that. <laughs> no bend. word of a lie. That's and like Ben, it's weird. It's like a, mo- a pair of moccasins. Like, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Moccasin, right? right? Like all low key, kind of wanted to get a pair out of the movie. <laughs> This um, because I'm a stud. This scene where he's going to spawn ranch. It's dope. The 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 set design is astronomically wild. Yeah. Yeah. And the set design for <laughs> Spawn Ranch is amazing. Mm. And and like you were saying earlier on, with people who have a problem with this this scene, I think. Wyatt and I were talking about it earlier today. There is a split second moment where you think Brad Pitt is going to die in yeah. this movie. Oh yeah, when he when he goes into the room. It is just masterful, like building of suspense. suspense. Yeah. Like the music in it mm. is straight out of that time period. Yep. Like that, like eerie walking through. Like I, I just think that scene, without that scene. I, I don't know. Like there, just, there would be no danger for the end. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing there where like, you know, he drops her off and see see you later. But to actually sit there and see it and like have him walking around and seeing how manipulative they were to George Spawn and, yeah. and all squeaky. the shit that was going, on. <laughs> seeing all Not the shit squeaky, that was though. going on there. Yeah, she's a dick. She is yeah. asshole. She was a crazy one. Okay, we saw like an actual like. Real, the real squeaky. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, she's still in she's, love with yeah, she's Manson. still in love with him. Really? Still thinks he did nothing wrong. Fucked. I mean, he technically didn't kill anyone. Honestly. Yeah, but like... Come on. <laughs> Not to say. It's like... Not to say. It's like saying, uh, you know, like, you know, butter doesn't get you fat. Like, go on, it does. But like, you know, it tastes good, but, you know, it does. Yeah. It's not even remotely close. <laughs> Mansa kills people, but he tastes good. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Army <laughs> Um, No, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Army Hammer's on the podcast. Ow, fuck Army. fucking <laughs> 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 took a bite out. Baby, you I just want a little taste. <laughs> um, yeah. Ow, fuck, dude. I'm getting you bandaged. Yeah, but, except for a short thought. Um, Who's his name? Georgie? George. Right, George? George Paul. I thought, I, thought, I thought he, I for sure thought he was dead. We first yeah. saw him, like, mm-hmm. like, oh, like, he's dead. And then you see him roll up, like, oh, he dead. Oh, they're going to get him. They didn't. They tried. And then one guy. And fix it. <laughs> no. And then it's like, a, one punch, he goes flying. Yeah. I want that power. It's, it's that right, that right hook. And then the girls, like, you can move anymore. I'll, you know, beat, I don't know, I'll fucking knock all his teeth out. Yeah. And they're like, I'm so sorry. I love you. And, you know, he's like, fuck you guys. There's, like, Twenty of them. Yeah. One of this dude, like, let's face it, he had a tire iron in his hand. He would fucking. I just, I love 
again, making smoking look fucking cool in this movie. He's just like this. So I'm at boss's car, and he just sticks the cigarette in his mouth. It's like, fuck. He, like, just... It's my boss's car, yeah. Just fucking sick. Straight up, was just like, yeah, very slides, no care in the world. It's like, you have to fix that. <laughs> no. <laughs> fuck you. you. And then... <laughs> Can I get a towel first? Nope. Am <laughs> <laughs> I going to write to clean my face? Nope. Meanwhile, Rick Dalton's... While, he, while Cliff Booth is out, at one of the most notorious cult families in the world, kicking the shit out of one of them, Rick Dalton's in his trailer crying about forgetting lines. Kicking the shit out of his trailer. It's like... Yeah, that trailer's a beating. The complete two fucking... Opposites of like, I'm having a hard day. <laughs> Boo's like, dude, like, fucking come over here yeah. for an hour. Because like, so. it goes right back to the theme, the core themes of the three main plays of this. You got Margot Robbie in the theater watching one of her films, the up and coming star, loving it. Uh, Rick, Rick Dalton, the washed up, has been freaking out. And then you know, Cliff Boo's like, boss his car, this is my day job, fix it. <laughs> Honestly. You're just going through every day. He's like, "Fuck, dude! Come on, man! Don't make you! Don't make dude, me! It's Monday! Don't! Don't make me do what I did to my wife! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on, kill her! Yeah. I kill her! Hi, my name's Clint Booth. I'm a killer. You wouldn't like it, but uh, <laughs> you wouldn't like it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rick Dalton's a drunk, though, eh? It's like you know, yeah. gotta quit drinking. Continues drinking. Oh shit! Throws it out of his flask. Come on, dude. That's the better restraint. We should have made whiskey sours. I would, but I just don't have any of the items other than eggs at my house. <laughs> Who wants that eggs? <laughs> just two eggs. Chicken rice. Like, I'm ripped off. I don't go because it's, it's whiskey. Right? Yeah, it's whiskey, simple syrup, mm. egg whites, lime juice. I think lime yeah. juice or lemon juice, one of the two. I think it's lime. A citrusy juice. Let's look it up. Orange juice. No. <laughs> Damn it. And then a chair. Fuck. And then it's it's very simple to make though. And it's really fucking good. I know. Because were like, you around when I was making them? Probably. I, I did a carbonara because that uses all the oh, yeah. whites. I did the whiskey sours. Whiskey shower. They're so good. I remember I was at Joe Forte's. I had like seven of them. Was I angry? No. Was I happy? Yeah. Bourbon lemon juice. Some syrup. An orange wheel for serving. And I was right with the orange. We said orange juice, so yeah. you know you were wrong. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I like how it says egg whites are optional. It's like, no, you kind of need it. Well, it makes it frothy, right? But yeah. I think it's, I, but you know, do people, I can see why it's like, oh, I don't want to have any egg whites, you know, raw egg whites. Like, yeah, I, I know, but it's like. I mean, once you mix it up, it cooks it kind of. I don't think it cooks it. Well, they're, they're like, it's not raw. The liquor probably does yeah. something, you know, probably like, you know, marinates it. I don't know. But anyways, back to uh, the convo. But once we get out of Spawn Ranch, we see it's that it's you know the the uh, they're all leaving the set of Lancer. And we see Timothy yeah. Oliphant hopping on a Triumph, and he it literally looks time period like yeah he looks like Bobby V in uh, Night Has a Thousand Eyes the music video because that that as soon as I saw it that's exactly what it looked like to me. But you know and then. We get home and they're watching um, the FBI episode. Yeah. The all the streets are silent is what yeah. it's called, and they're talking about it, and it's like. No, we're going with that shotgun. 
it just shows that this isn't just a working relationship. This is like yeah. this is a a brotherly like Brad Pitt's genuinely excited for Leo's character. Mm. Like yeah. he is genuinely excited to sit down with him and watch this yeah. because uh, you know and I think it's just I think it's really cool. Like it's a really cool dynamic of you, you don't see that a lot in Hollywood no. anymore, but back then that was the thing you would stick with your stuntman that would be your guy yeah I think I think that scene to me really encapsulates the brotherly atmosphere that that these two characters are are um, yeah they're, they're brothers right they're yeah they're ride or die yeah literally oh yeah literally and then watching this watching the TV show I realized like how hard is it to costume this movie you have to do mm. like a costume for Rick Dalton himself, yeah. and then a, like over a couple, you know, a, a day or two, plus all the costumes he's wearing and the multiple things that you've already yeah. filmed, and then you have to like costume everybody else and everything. I'm like, God, the costuming for this movie must have been just harder than hell. Oh my God! Also, the wigs. Yeah. In this movie, because the uh, Bruce Lee thing when you see. Um, Oh, it's wig. It takes off like that was a wig. Yeah, I completely forget yeah, sometimes. Me too. Like you were saying. Yeah. Today. Like, oh shit! Again, I'm like, why is his hair so weird? Whatever. Oh, it's a wig. That's why. Yeah. Oh man. Not rap scowling. But uh, then we get six months later. Yeah. Then we get to him in uh, Italy. Making the Italian films. No one to make no stupid Italian films. Oh, we start winning fights. But yeah, when he meets his love of his life, Francesca Italian last name, <laughs> Punesca, I don't know. Punesca. I can say that because I'm Italian. And that Rick Dalton's hair has changed. His yeah. fucking face has changed. He's gone. Ah, what what did they say? say? 15, Fifteen pounds in the six months he was there. Like I think that just really shows oh, his, the change in him. Like, like, running, I think, I don't know if it was, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know for sure where the motivation is for the change, but for me, it shows the change of, Rick is now ready, he's, he's evolved from the old style of thinking of, Hollywood doesn't want me to, hey, I'm gonna make Hollywood want me, yeah. and, and that's the whole thing for the next six months, is he, him, Going and finding work, and then coming back, and he's completely changed. He's he's now equipped to start in this era, yeah. this new era of acting, in this new Hollywood. Well, I thought he was ready to be like done. Okay, you know what? Stand the Melton show. I mean, it could be both. To be honest, he, he's yeah. ready to like. Go ahead, he's ready, get to ready move for Hollywood. Right. But you know when 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 he was in Spain still with, we just made the whole clip with the guy, and I can't. Hire, you know, can't have you around anymore. Can't afford you. So, like, you know, I think also like him, fu- like fi- firing basically, Cliff. I think that was like, or maybe it was just a chapter of his of his life. It's like, hey, you know what? We had a good run, but now it's time to be gone. Or it's like, hey, you know, we had a good run. I'm now out of work. I'm gonna yeah. go back because it's been six months. I don't do these movies anymore. I'm. Mm. Who knows. That's yeah. a nice take on it. Yeah, because because for me it's like it's he's the right one. <laughs> like he's he's ready for. <laughs> no. 
he, he's ready for both. He, he's going down the line. He's got his wife now. He can set up a family, set up his life. But at the same time, the door is open for Hollywood mm-hmm. to still be there. He, he's just writing that fine line going, you know what, I'm going to live it for me, not for them. He's back in L.A. now. And it is the night, or... Night before. Night before. It's the eighth, right? No, well, it's the night. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the, the day night of, of the murder. Yeah. Because it's oh, the yeah. 8th, but it's the early morning of the 9th. Because midnight is when they were not, Like, midnight's when they came up. When, yeah. When Rick Dalton sees them, it's a little yeah. after 12. Midnight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because they do the time stamp. I was like, it's yeah. the 8th, but then it's like, oh, I like... Whatever it was, like, 7 o'clock... Oh. And them go to the wild, like wild coyote. Like, how accurate is that to the events of? I would say it's probably pretty accurate. It, it is pretty accurate. Okay, they, they showed up around midnight in the actual murders, mm. but but all the stuff that Sharon Tate did beforehand, like, is that pretty? It's hard because they wouldn't. Yeah, because it was a very chill. It was a very chill day. She oh, spent okay. her, a lot of her day napping, and then they didn't because she was pregnant, right? Mm. And they didn't want to cook dinner, so they just went out to the elk. Coyote. Yeah, and they went and had dinner. And it was supposedly the hottest night of the year. Yeah. So they were, it was pretty much hot. She was having, like, you know, just pregnancy things, women problems. Yeah, we just would. We do not know, so yeah. But yeah, it was pretty much, you know, it was a chill day until fucking midnight. And then that's when all the fucking shit happened. But yeah, I mean. If we want to talk about the El Coyote, they end up going there and having dinner, obviously. Yeah. And and on the way into the El Coyote, Sharon Tate looks over and goes, what's going on at the dirty movie place? And it's a bunch of lights. Mm. Quentin Tarantino, it, it used to be like a, like an old porn... Like, an old dirty movie place. Yeah. yeah. And Quentin Tarantino bought it, and he owns it, and he is on the board for the movies that they play there. Oh. Yeah, he bought it. I forget what he called it. But it's like an old... Uh, theater in Hollywood that he ended up buying and owns. Pretty dope. Ooh. Yeah. It's totally like, what, what would a guy who loves movies that much buy? It's like, yeah. movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty cool how he just, you know, fit it in there a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Then they... <coughs> Bless you. Do me. Because then they went back, right? After... It was what, like... Because it was... It was 10-16 when they got back. Got back, the right? House. And then they were playing... And they were drinking a little bit more or whatever they were having a good night like whoever was playing the piano mm-hmm. they were chilling then a boys came back home from drinking or whatever yeah and Cliff goes out to walk Brandy Cliff goes walk, walk Brandy his little... with his little ass and cigarette like completely raw about and yeah. then um, good old uh, Francesca's passed out because mm. of jet lag and then uh, Rick Dalton goes which was cool. No, mixes margaritas. Yeah, mixes yeah. margaritas. Mixes margaritas. Cause, yeah, cause it's, like, it's like one o'clock or something. He said, right? When like when um, it's or midnight, whenever it's it's yeah. it's late. In yeah, the morning, it was midnight when they get home. When he when like when he, he grabbed it, grabs the ice. Like, hmm. At the end of the movie, he's like, I heard this the muffler. Yeah. So I checked what time it was. It was twelve o'clock. Grabbed the margarita, walked out there. Fucking hippies. We should drunk off my property. Oh, great. Sorry, sir. We go up here to smoke pot. Fucking he's coming up here to smoke pot. <laughs> what the fuck are you looking at, you ginger-haired fuck? <laughs> oh, it's a and then they drive back down and it's like, oh my god, 
Is that Jake Cale? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude. Fuck me, man. That would be great. And, and then they all decide to park the car. Mm-hmm. Make their way up. And one of them just splits. <laughs> Honestly. She's a smart one. Yeah. Look, I'm like, nope. Sure. Ethan Hawke's daughter. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Robin Hawke. Okay. I don't know her name. <laughs> I think that's her name. She's in Stranger Things 3. That's her name in Stranger Things oh, yeah, 3. Like Stranger it's Things. a sequel to Stranger Things season, season 3. She's in that. Wow. I think her name's Robin. That's why I thought it was Robin. There's a brother named Blue Jay. Ethan. <laughs> yeah, Ethan likes to name his son's or daughter's after. Ask Maya children. Hulk. Maya? Maya? Yeah. No, okay. remotely close to Robin. What I thought. It's alright though. It's a flower child. Yeah, the tree, yeah, she bails because the, the actual. Because I think they, like, the, like the, who she's supposed to play, I think, did something similar. I think she's supposed to play Kasabian. Mm-hmm. Linda Kasabian. Let me just check real quick here. Yeah, Lin- I think she's supposed to play Linda Kasabian, who was the lookout in the actual murders uh, and tried to distract them from murdering. Oh, but okay. She wasn't a part of it. She was the lookout. I yeah. think that's who she's playing. And the girl who's like, "We're in Hollywood, man," is uh, she plays Susan Atkins? I yes. want to say yes, yes, Susan. At- yeah, Susan yeah. Atkins. Or and then the then the redhead Katie is uh. uh Patricia Krenwinkle. Yeah. And obviously, Texas. Charles. Charles Tex Watson. Yeah, Charles Tex Watson. Mm -hmm. And those her go up. And then, all the wrong house. Cliff and Rick versus the fam, baby. Oh, actually, hold on. Completely. We're going to go back, way back for a little, for two seconds. Okay. Because we can go also, it it also does Mm -hmm. fit into what I'm going to talk about. Everything so, maybe connects. You know when? Um, so when, at the beginning, when when Cliff drops off Rick back at home, mm. and he's like, oh, I, got, "I got lines to learn," you know, they go out to get at ten fifteen, you know, in the door, they go out the door into the car, mm. right? Then he's making his drinks, and he goes to his pool. How does he not get wet? He's in the pool, like he's so he's in, like it shows him like on that pool forty chair with his fucking big old fucking tanker of, of whiskey sour, <laughs> and him doing his lines. How does it get, like, because those things aren't starting to talk about this. Those things aren't stable. When you go in the water, it sinks a bit. How isn't he soaked? He must have held in at least once, but he's dry as a fucking goddamn uh, And you know he's got a little bit of a fucking bag but, on, right? Yeah. He's like, how Right? Because also you got the thing, how is Leo not wet? Because he's doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, right? How didn't he get soaked? How didn't he fall in the pool? Like, at all. It's all CGI. You know what they probably did? He probably, he probably drained the pool, sat down, got them to fill it up, <laughs> so it was good. So yeah, that's, and then camp goes back because he's, I think the exact same thing is, he's, yeah. he's not even, he doesn't get wet until fucking comes yeah. in. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, anyways. Um, that's that. So we now get to the, uh... We get to what, if you were, if you were angry about the runtime... We get to the best. One of the best. If you're angry about the runtime, this totally redeems it. Yeah. Because this scene, there's not a fucking false beat. As soon as Cliff comes home, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. It's like when we're watching, of course, he's higher than a fucking kite. Yeah. Everyone's like, that's completely. It's like, and he's just like, with his hand, just like, 
oh, and it's whoa, like, oh, whoa, whoa, and then it's like, and then trying to be like super quiet, but just like hitting things, hits hits the fucking like light. Oh shit, no! <laughs> I'm like, oh, and then like, <laughs> it's like just making the most sound. It's like, yeah, that's that that would be hundred percent. I'm I'm a little bit of Cliff. And and talk about prop work from freaking Brad Pitt here, like just. Grabbing the dog food, yeah. mm. finding something to do with the dog food. Oh, I need a can opener. Right. Oh, I got the can opener. Whoa, look at the weird way the can opener is. Whoa, whoa. And then open it. Oh, 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 it's hard. Opening up the dog food and then, oh, this smells pretty good. Lick all this shit and dumping it yeah. out. Like, I mean, yeah. just yeah. The, the the beat by beat thought to action to, you know what I mean? Like, to actual physically grabbing it and having a, and a, having a reason. Be. Yeah, yeah, it's and, it's on point. Right? Everything, it's amazing. It's textbook. Yeah, exactly right. And then has a little talk with the dog against guy. Hey, I don't want to. We're not. We're not having this talk right now. I'm going to talk to the you No, no whining. Still kind of nice throwback from when yeah. the car are at the house there. Mm-hmm. Dog shuts up because Brandy you knows what's up. But then he hear no, she hears them. Yeah, that's why he's going. So he thinks it's that, but no, no, there's people. And then the fucking best scene, which like, it's like. That was so fucking funny. Was like, For those of you who don't know what Wyatt's doing, he's doing the point over the shoulder to sub to over two fucking Susan Adkins. Yeah. The oh, who's this chick? Yeah. That kind of thing. But my favorite line out of this entire oh. fucking sequence is Are you real? As real as a donut, motherfucker. I thought you were gonna say the other one. What the devil's like? Yeah, I was like, oh, what's your name again? I'm the. I remember you. Yeah, and you and what, what's your name again? Like, I'm the devil. I'm here to do. I'm here to do the devil's work. No, I was stupid than that. Oh, yeah, Slide. Was, was it like an Rex? Rex. Damn, Dex. Tex. He so the real Tex Watson actually said the exact words. He said, "I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's business." Oh. That's it, that line verbatim was put into the script. He actually said that during the. It's fucked. Mm-hmm. And then he just gets a dog to the fucking arm. And to the bag. And to the leg and to the bag. Chick gets a dog can or a can of dog food to the <laughs> fucking face. <laughs> just, she's on the ground freaking out. Dog then goes after her. Oh my and then, god. It is just brutal right? in this house. And then fucking Tex gets curb stomped. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a play forgot about. Oh my god, it was like a scene out of Drive. It was like it was insane. Yeah, just stomp dead and then It was like a Gallagher show. It was just Right? And then oh Ginger Chick, she just what? Because isn't she just like cause Francesca kind of like Like runs out. No, like she tackles her or something, yeah. right? She's like, hey you. Yeah. Bam, pops yeah. her in hey, the face. Yeah, hey fucker. What boom! <laughs> she goes down, then goes stabs, you know, in the part of stabs fucking Cliff, Cliff in, the in the leg, and then just gets dummied for a solid three minutes and just smack. Smack. And then on the mantle, just boom, boom. It's like, oh my. On the phone, fucking bang. And like how we're talking, like, you don't have fun that be to shoot that scene. Just have a oh, dummy. So just have a dummy of a doll and say, yeah, go as hard as you humanly can. What? Where do you want to hit? Brad Pitt's like, like I want to smash that glass too, guys. I yeah. want to smash that I shit. I want to do all three of those. Mm. I want to do the mantle. And you know, fucking, you know, Quinn's like, hey, do the table as well. Do other shit. Is it really? Yeah. Tarantino's like, and I want a close-up Dutch angle of it so we can really see the blood. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so then, uh, whatever, I'm going to call her Sadie because her name was in the yeah. thing with the, the, the can face. 
Hands out, you know, shooting, you know, fucking good old Rick Dunn. Oh, what the fuck? Goes in. She falls. I thought he was going to get electrocuted here. I yeah. thought everybody was dead. It's a little handy, but you're fine. It's batteries. Yeah. Yeah, you're electrocuted. I don't know. It's not a toaster. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. Sound off in the comments. <laughs> get electrocuted by battery radios. And then, uh, yeah, he just gets out and then does the... And it probably does like one of the most ultimate kills. Just yeah. It gets his motherfucking flamethrower. And the music cues. And the music cues. Oh. And then just. Because I for sure thought too, like when I first saw it, when she turned around and like had the gun, I thought she was going to shoot the gas tank and he was going to blow up. <laughs> and I was like, what? Alternate ending. Right? Or like where she still dies, but like they both die. And like maybe that. But then no. Then. Yeah. You know, then. Then we get a great scene afterwards. Is when, you know, when he's getting stretched off. And he's like, hey, you know, go hang out with, you know, Francesca. You know, come see me tomorrow. Bring bangles. <laughs> go lie naked. Go lie down beside. That hot. Go lie down naked beside that beautiful creature. Yeah. Is what he says. Uh. And he's just fucking higher than <laughs> shit. He's like, you said that he was the devil. And that he was going to do some, some devil shit. Devil shit. Or some stupid <laughs> that. That's not verbatim. <laughs> he's just fucking... But he still cares. Like, hey, make sure Brand is okay. She was a little riled up. Oh, she's sleeping with Francesca. They're, I don't think they'll ever get her back. And this, to me, it's like... I think for me, it makes it... For one, it's a sad scene for me because I know this movie's coming to an end. Yeah. And I yeah. fucking hate that moment when I'm like, oh, I gotta leave this world. Yeah. But then I'm also like, but wait. Like, are you guys... You better go fucking see him in the hospital tomorrow, Rick. Bring bagels. Bring fucking bring bagels. Bring bagels. Bring bagels. But then we get. I'll try. Then we get the scene where he, where all the cops leave. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, oh, there's three dead people. Well, you know, you just, ah, we're all gone. Oh yeah, see you later. Yeah, we'll be back in the morning. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. move along. Your cop. Not that. Still the day. Ow. Hey, your cop. Ah, oh, move along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, move along. Oh, you're a cop? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, you're all good. Inside jokes for the podcast. Anyway. But we get the scene where J.C. Broom comes down and talks to Rick Dalton and recognizes him that, you know, you're oh, from Bounty Law and all yeah, this you're stuff. Yeah, you're Rick Dalton, yeah. And it's just like... Career. Back up. Yeah. And, it, and then, you know... Oh, from the 14th, 5th of McCluskey. Yeah! <laughs> he's like fucking yeah. pumped. But he's like the biggest fan. He's like... Yeah, How'd you get a flamethrower? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, it's uh, just in my tool shit. So, like, is everyone, is everyone okay? Well, well, the hippies ain't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my buzz dog got too, and I, I torched the other. Torched? What do you mean torched? I got a... Got a flamethrower in my tool oh, shit. Oh, my God. From the 14th, 5th of McCluskey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Rick Dalton, why don't you come on up? Uh, okay. <laughs> Fucking. Give me a thumbs up. Yeah. There we go, baby. Hey, you're always in there with the dog. You up here with us. Hey, by the way, you just secured another movie. Yeah. Go tell Cliff Booth he's got to be out of the hospital bed by 6. <laughs> you know Cliff like... And it's 5.30. Yeah. You know Cliff was like, hey, I'm fine. Yeah. Cliff, Cliff right now is going like this. The, the worst thing he got was... Oh, he got shot and stabbed. Yeah. He, he goes... 
Well, the gun didn't. Then the gun hit. Oh no, he's passed out. When when he when yeah. he, oh, I don't get. I thought that actually happened too, where Tex Watson hit somebody and the gun broke, and oh. then murders too. So a lot of the shit that happened in these kind of was was very. I, he must have looked into it. Pretty probably weird. Yeah. Oh god, he had to. Lucky probably fucking remembers it all. Yeah. Because mm. uh, he he was a kid during this yeah. time in Hollywood, right? Yeah. I think I uh, personally, man. This movie, I have my last note from this movie is, let's make a fucking movie. Like we are. You know what I mean? Like this movie, I don't, I don't know if it's just because we're actors or or if it's people in the film industry or or you know anybody. It every time I see this movie, without fail, it motivates me to do something creative. whether it's sitting down and writing the movie that we're working on or if it's you know coming down and and sitting and doing this podcast or going out in the youtube channel or whatever it is taking photos anything i think this movie to me always runs back to every time i watch it it's fuck it just always does that this movie to me is is every time they make a movie and they have like every time quentin tarantino does a movie and he says that that shot was great. Let's do another one. And he goes the same time. And why? Because, because we, we love, love making movies. movies. And I think this movie is a fucking testament to yeah. that entire fucking sentence. Wah, wah. But with that, we. I got two more notes on this movie. Black and rich, let's hear them, baby. Uh, one, uh, in casting this movie, of course, Leo and Brad Pitt was his first choice. Mm-hmm. But if he couldn't get one or the other for any reason, he would have to get a completely new duo. Because the actors had to go together. If Leo couldn't do it, Brad wouldn't work. If Brad couldn't do it, Leo wouldn't work. Which I think is really interesting to go into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to end the talk of the movie portion with this quote from Tarantino. And he was talking about his love for movies. Now, every time he like goes into a subject, he just loves learning. And it's like he he says, uh, "I'm going for my professor professorship in cinema. The day I die is the day I graduate." Great. Constantly learning about film, constantly taking in new inspirations, and it shows in everything he does. Honestly. He loves it. Yeah, he's not doing it to be one of the great directors. He's doing it because he loves movies and in doing so he has become one of the greats and and i remember he said something that really struck a chord with me if you're going to make a movie and you love the art of movies if you really love cinema there's no way that you can make a bad movie Mm. there's no way because even because on that even quote-unquote bad movies like the room samurai cop stuff like that even though they are textbook bad you always get a good time out of watching it because you can see the passion that goes behind it and that's what's enjoyable about it it's not the fact that it's top tier a class filmmaking it's because people there are loving it mm-hmm. and that's why they're still talked about other than like your average i don't know action movie from the mid 2000s that i can't even remember the name of Mm-hmm. they're highly forgettable you forget that you've watched them yeah films like The Room with Tommy Wiseau you're like fuck I love that movie it's true and it goes back to a line and it, and it fits in with anything that you want to do in life 
the scene between Leonardo DiCaprio and the little girl, she looks at him and she says, greatness is what you aim for, but it's the quest to get to greatness mm. that's what people admire. Yeah. And that, to me, it's strive for greatness because on your way there you'll find some, you know? Mm. Shoot for the moon, land with the stars. Yeah. You know? Shoot for the moon, land on Jupiter. Shoot with the moon, get hit with a fucking UFO and get smoked back to... Sue the aliens, make alien bucks. <laughs> Dude, you're good. Come down, buy a shitload of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, learn about that on TikTok. What's going on, guys? Gary V. <laughs> and that has been us talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This has been Oliver. Wyatt. And Tucker. See you next week. Wow. Okay. <laughs>